Dave. Matt. Hi. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2019. We're uh, recording this a little early, but we're releasing this on my birthday, not to brag. Oh, how exciting. Um, and I got the best birthday present of all. Yeah. Which is today's guest. <gasps> tell me, tell me about her. Uh, writer, performer, teacher, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a Los Angeles legend. A Los Angeles fixture, legend, um, seer. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, mystic. All of that. Um, uh, Mentress. Priestess. Of, Priestess. Uh, alt comedy as we know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and creator of Uncabaret. Yeah. Uh, which we're going to talk about. Beth Lapidas is blushing, here. blushing. Beth Lapidas, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Love you guys. Thank you. For Happy being birthday. Here. Oh, we thank you. You know, well. we're co Capricorns. Oh yeah. What What's your birthday? January tenth. Oh wow. wow, that's a much better date. I will say. Why is that? Because January fourth tends to be around the first day back at work. It's not sure. this year, but it's true. The collective energy is here. No, I mean, even matter. January 10th, people are like, yeah, whatever. You at least have a few more days for uh, yeah. people to recover, but week. it's still not great. It's not great. That's why we age backwards. Do you know that about a Capricorn? You no. get younger as you grow up because nobody cares about your birthday. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's why. Okay. I've and another thing that. about a Capricorn, you might not know. Tell me. Is that we're not, everybody thinks, oh, there's the goat. You're going up, you know, up the mountain. It's a sea goat. If you look at the picture, there's a little fishtail at the end. So truly, you're an impossible creature. Oh, not a wow. goat, and you, a magical creature, and a very magical. Yes. Do you know your uh, rising and your moon and all? I that I think stuff that's too? another show called astrology. <laughs> yeah, but do you? I do. I do know my rising, and I know so it many tracks. obscure things. Yeah, yeah, it tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm about to get that uh, a, a reading. You that. are? I know that I am a Pisces, but that's all I know. Oh, what's your but, birthday? Uh, uh, March 14th. Okay. Yeah, and that's only part of the equation, as Beth knows. Mm-hmm. That's There's only. There's so much more to know. So much more energy to tap into. There's ener- all sorts of auras and orbs and mm-hmm. your Chinese year. Yeah, yeah. It's not just one thing. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Look, it's so much we can't see. Yeah. But, you know, I've been so obsessed with what we can't see for so long, I had to finally say to myself, why don't you try to figure out what we can see? Wow. Ooh. Why don't you pay attention to what is available to all of us? And wh- I'm, I have to apologize. My dog is farting. Uh, that's what oh, that okay. is. Oh, okay. That's what that is. That's okay. something that we can't see, but that we can we can feel. <laughs> yeah. And I apologize. Oh, so you guys sorry. are funny. This is a recurring thing. <laughs> it is okay. She's a she is a doll. Um, what What are you seeing for yourself in 2019? Oh gosh, uh, a book. I'm writing a book. Oh, I great. see it done. Uh, I'm seeing the new run of Uncabaret, a monthly version rather than a weekly version. Oh, man. I'm feeling a longer stride and what that might feel like. Uh, I'm seeing, I, you know, I don't know, joy, happiness. Right. I'm seeing uh, the I, my my teaching is uh, stepped up to another level. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to. Do you know a master class that I can put out on video? Oh, nice. Um, there's going to be a podcast of the first half of the class, which is really me just answering questions, which I finally realized could help people who weren't in the room. Oh, that's great. And back to the book, more writing, some uh-huh. acting. Great. Did a part this year? I don't 
don't know. You Good. know, and then some treats that the universe has in store. Always leaving room for the unknown. You exactly. You must. For those who do not live in Los Angeles uh, and are not hip to the uh, to to uh, to alternative comedy, what is Uncabaret? Uncabaret is, as Rolling Stone once said, a comedy be-in. Uh, yeah. I like that. You know, um, it was the first alternative comedy show. That isn't such a different thing now. It's story-based comedy. It's personal stories. It's stories ripped from the headlines of the comedians' lives. It's a mix of comedians with more writer, storytellers, uh, personalities. It also features music, but at its heart, it's a... It's a in the now comedy show, right? That is, and it's it is so much fun to watch, and so uh, like beautifully unnerving to do. You're, you know, you're, I've loved having you. Thank you. It's, it's been great. Been yeah, a blast, yeah. and it's such an honor because I love the show. Thank you. But it's also like. You don't want to fuck up, but you know you're going to fuck up a little. A little. up is yeah. part it's of it. It's made to be and... like the Navajo rugs, you know, yeah. the mistake is the thing. I mean, to me, I really love things. That I really love the process. Yeah. And I love watching people work. I love to look at drawings almost more than paintings. I love to see the mind at work. Bob Odenkirk said a great thing. Variety did a big piece around the 25th anniversary show. And Bob Odenkirk said in that that one, there's an album that's the – a demo tape of the Beatles white album mm-hmm. and that once he started hearing that he couldn't really actually listen to the album anymore that it was so much more fun to hear and that he thought of on cabaret like that yeah oh, wow. which i really loved um before it's overly polished yeah. you know we have a tendency to want to polish all of it out yeah and- when you were also like giving a platform to people who weren't really didn't really fit into the club scene culture well the un thing you know um you know the un thing came from me feeling like i didn't fit in and then me you know really being at the comedy store and i'm standing waiting to go on and andrew dice clay is there doing his usual women hating thing and i'm just thinking there's got to be a better way you know i'm he i'm hating him i'm hating the audience for laughing at him i'm hating myself for hating the audience and i don't do well with hate Uh don't do well with it so i'm then i'm like very like in a in a you know, agitated state. And that's not good for funny. Some people are very good with hate and funny. Um, and then I was at a place called the women's building doing a show and they were laughing a little too hard. You know how that is? <laughs> You're like, I was like, when was the last time you guys laughed? And they're like, Oh, we don't laugh. We're women. We're artists. We're lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> if we go to the comedy clubs, they just make fun of us. Right. And I said, I'll make you a show. It'll be unhomophobic, unxenophobic, unmisogynist. It'll be the uncabaret. And that was really where it was born was a download. I mean, if you want to talk about other dimensions and, you know, it really, I didn't think of it. I had never had no experience with cabaret. I don't know why that word came out of my mouth. I was a below 14th Street New Yorker. I, you know, I had seen cabaret the movie with uh-huh. my boyfriend and his boyfriend. It was an immersive experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's, and that, that was really where it was born. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's a whole history, but that's the un, and people sometimes are confused by that. What I love about it and also about your teaching practice, which I've also Yes, we've had fun. We've had fun. We've all had fun together. Not all three together, but yeah. Um, is that 
um, you force the performer to be a little discursive by asking questions as they tell their stories. So you might have something that you know every word of in your head as you would do it like on the moth or something like that. But that – your show forces the performer to go down roads that they didn't expect to, which is always much more interesting, you know? It's – I I mean thank you and that – I mean part of – I try to – I do it – Probably less now than I did in the day. Yeah. Um, but it really came from a longing that I had for something that was conversational and intimate. Those yeah. were the things I wanted it to feel. And I wanted it to be conversational in form and feel intimate, I guess is, would be cor- would be mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. Um, and it happened really naturally because the audience kept coming back. Once they discovered it, people were coming and bringing their friends. And then we sort of realized, oh, we can't keep doing the same stuff no matter how different it is. If you keep doing it, these people have seen it. So it was the audience that really helped us format that. And as people started doing new things, my instruction was always do what you're going to explode if you don't say it. Yeah. Do that stuff. That's how I really started on Cabaret. Once we landed at Luna Park and people, and we started to get the group together. And then, but what is it? That was what I would tell people. All the stuff you can't do in the clubs because it doesn't go and you need to say it and you feel like you're going to explode. Say that. And so once people started saying that, it hadn't been really worked out. And there was the mic because for the announcement, you know, welcome to on Cabaret. There was that mic and I just asked the question. It was perfectly natural. It absolutely was organic. I didn't ever decide to do it. Uh-huh. And But it was perfect because I kept thinking I wanted the show to feel like you're on the phone with your friends. My friends seem to be funnier on the mm-hmm. phone than on stage, and I wanted yeah. that. So that's how it happened, and um, and I try to use it only for the good and never for the evil. Sure, <laughs> sure. But it's true. I mean, I, I enjoy watching funny people be themselves yeah. um, rather than do – Bits that they oh me too a thousand times. I mean, I don't know at the character work and the you know. I just love people being. I just love that thing of you're feeling like you're with that person and getting and heart connected and you really they're speaking to you as themselves. That's just what I love. Yeah, yeah. And and the world is is a, a a more welcoming place for that now. I think largely because of on cabaret. Well, Not thank to gas you. you up too much. But. Well, thank you. But I mean, you know, people do seem to say that and feel that. So mm-hmm. I feel blessed that I was given enough uh, patience, persistence, and Capricorn, you know, annoying Capricorn energy yeah. to keep it climbing. That because there were a lot of times when it was seemed very uh, too hard and we kept going anyway, you know, uh-huh. and here we are. Yeah. So you had every, like, comedian and performer that I like from Sandra Bernhardt and Julia Sweeney yep. and uh, Lauren Weedman yeah. and uh, oh, Pat Noswald and yeah. like it goes on and on. And Dave Holmes. Dave Holmes. All the great. Uh, we've got to get you up there, Matt. <laughs> I got to find something to say, but, but that's uh, a different, different but, conversation. <laughs> um, but who, I'm just curious who, who, Who's exciting and inspiring you now? Like Who's coming up? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, everyone we've worked with, I keep loving, and it's great to have people back and hear the new them, what's happening now for people. And that's always really interesting. At the – we had did the 25th anniversary show at the Ace. It was so much more than 25 years, by the way, but whatever. Um, 
<laughs> it's finished now. They can't. They can't make you undo the show. Can I tell you something? We now I, we were like we're going to do 25th anniversary show, and at one point I was googling, you know, to find something. You know, you've lost that piece of press, and the NPR story came up. The All Things Considered story that was seven years ago. That was the 25th anniversary. <laughs> when, when did it officially? <laughs> Well, it's very hard to know where to count from because if it's that first show at the women's building, Uh but is it that or is it when we – I kind of think that was the – this is, you know, a very female way of looking at it, I guess, but that was the – you know, insemination that, you know, that was really where it was formed. But then, and then it gestated at highways. We had a beautiful run at highways. Where's that was highways? highways performance center on 18th street in Santa Monica. It's yeah. like, okay. a perform- it's like the PS 122 of LA. Gotcha. And, um, that was just Taylor Negron, Judy Tall and I, and we ran for late night, Saturday nights for months, really oh. forming like a kind of DNA of the show. Then when Jean-Pierre opened Luna park, which was in 92, he said, do you want to do something i said i've been looking for home for cabaret and we booked it for three nights and then ran for seven years there that's amazing so i sort of say the luna park was where it actually was born but there was a lot of work before that um new to the show who've been very exciting and all great at uh on the ace um alex edelman was yeah. great rebecca Corey, oh, yeah. great um Lauren Weedman had never did the show until the this run at uh First and Hope. Um also good. Uh who else was new? Uh you know, Marie Bamford didn't do it in the day, even oh, though yeah. she's been around for a long time and I'm loving her. And that you know, Hunter Hill has done I some great sets. Hoping um, you would mention him. He yeah, was I love him. Uh Dave Holmes recently did he the show. Is, uh, really love Dave. Um, those are some, those are some, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting. I think Jackie Cation keeps getting better and better and better and better. Oh, yeah, I'm loving love her. her um, I mean, you know, I saw Hunter Hill at on cabaret tell a story and he's a very funny guy. He yeah. opens for Eliza Schlesinger yep. and he got up and told a story about having, uh, just escaped the mudslides. Oh yeah, wow. oh that was with what a night. Yeah, he was living with his fiance's parents in Santa Barbara, and they had to they had to evacuate. And he, it was an unbelievably gripping, not funny story. I called him that day. I mean, that was on cabbie. Yeah, because it happened, and I knew I saw the post, and I was like, "You got to come talk about it." Yeah, and wow. let's see. And it was. It, I mean, it was an, just an unbelievable. It was better than what you would see on like a polished storytelling show, and he was just. Very much speaking yeah. from his heart. Well, we've been working on that, hopefully. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Plus, he's kind of hot. Let's be Kind of hot, yeah. yeah. And I, he was always saying, oh, my girlfriend's so hot, and mm-hmm. look at me. I'm like, yeah, please. Yeah, look at you. Yeah. 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 Ben, and I, yeah. <laughs> ben and I agreed. Dude, is fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. look at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also uh, talked music before we started rolling, and- uh, well, is there anything that you are listening to? I tell you who I'm listening to. I'm listening to Phoebe Bridgers like crazy. Okay. Um, are you familiar with Phoebe? I know the name. Yeah. She's a, a, a millennial falcon, I think is okay. her Twitter handle. Naked uh, fake nudes is her Instagram. Um, she's been on a billion best of 2018s and she's made the late night circuit already. Um, and she has a – Group, a super group that she and two other singers formed, and after her first album, they called Boy Genius, and they just played a sold out show at the Wiltern. Uh-huh. Um, I met her through her mom, 
who was in my class and became a friend and now oh. is doing Uncap, Jamie Bridgers, and I love her work too. Uh, and she's one of the, you know, emotional young, you know, very emo, Elliot Smith sort of, mm-hmm. you know, and I love her. Her voice is beautiful and her writing is incredible. Her yeah. lyrics are sublime and uh, buried the hatchet. It's coming up lavender. This is just, wow. just oh, wow. yeah. Just really, yeah, I think, yeah, if you're in the mood for emo, if you need to cry, listen to your, go get yourself some Phoebe Bridgers. Oh, and then yes. I have a Pandora, Phoebe Bridgers Pandora station, so Pandora is always suggesting some, I listen to some gospel sometimes. Sure. I like to go from the emo girls to the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's all horrible and I have to cry yeah. to, it's all possible if I just plug into the God energy. Yeah. It's all so sad. Look at the world. It's, it's just heartbreaking. Holy Spirit, fill me. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, take me so down. So when I listen to my thumbprint station, it just goes back. And <laughs> sure. From those two things, that's my ride. So you trust the algorithm? I don't trust it, but I surrender to it. That's fair. In in for Pandora, at least yeah. for Pandora's sake. Okay. Uh, I, I I guess I know I'm supposed to be on Spotify and make it work, but it's no, it's too much work. I'm supposed to make lists and tell oh. them what I want and. Too much work. I feel like Pandora does the work for me. Okay. And I feel like I'm talking like this right now. I feel even my voice sound. It's January now, Beth. Talk more. Don't talk like it's December. Talk like it's January. Yeah, some January energy. January. Give it up for January. I find that I am so hungry for actual curation from a human being. Because there's a difference. Rather than the algorithm. Yes. 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 I I love that we live in a world where – have you ever uh, done Radio Garden? Mm Mm-mm. It's awesome. It's – I forget the – what the address is, but it's it's a site that it like aggregates uh, radio stations from literally around the globe. And it's it's a spinnable – globe. Uh-huh. And you can, you know, it, the, there are little illuminated dots uh-huh. that represent the radio stations that you can access through it. Uh-huh. Which is basically like every commercial radio st- and and a bunch that aren't around the world. So you can like go listen to a, a station in Iceland or in oh. you know whatever, Yugoslavia or way the fuck in the middle of nowhere Nevada or whatever. And I I'm I'm always on it and I'm always looking for like the most sincere little radio station in the world where it's like one person and an Edison bulb and a turntable and they're going to tell stories from their life. I found things that are close to it. Yeah. I I occasionally find something where it's like I can tell there's a human being who who thought about this couple hours of music. Oh, that's so beautiful. But I I want that like pump up the volume, you know, Christian Slater. Oh, maybe that's my, that's a great approach for this. I want a a human to curate my, I want Dave Holmes to curate all my music. Okay. (laughs) But you do put on playlists. I do, yeah. Not as often as the people want it. Well, and frequently they're things that the algorithm gave me. But but then also a few of them, my my best of this year are recommendations from human beings Uh or things I heard on like, you know, a Tennessee public radio station and where I know that a person decided to right. put it on. Are you a listener who I'm uh, this typifies my listening. I find a song and I'll listen to it for at least an hour. I mean, oh, yeah. I'll, over and over. Yeah, yeah. I just turn one song yeah. into my soundtrack. Yeah. What's the most recent song that you had a crush there on? There is, but I, I mean, it will come up. There is one gospel song. I'm not going to remember its name and it's such a simple lyric and it's, um, 
it's like, I hope it's not too late. You know, I'm here. Just fill, fill me up, fill me up. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I hope it's not too late. And she just sings it. And she's and I love to sing to it. And I mean, I do love singing. And I do love a song that's like a challenging song to sing. Uh-huh. Also, I feel like I always want to work on my voice. And so that, um, uh, so that's the most recent. That was today. Yeah. But uh, I'll do it with Phoebe's songs and girls usually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You? What's, I, what's your I, most I'm recent? So, I, I really need to get back to music in 2019. Okay. Because okay. I've been, you know, the, all of the times that I would normally listen to music are out the window. And, and it's also that I'm- What does that I'm, mean? <clears throat> no car time? I'm driving, I'm constantly looking for a podcast. I'm looking oh. for something to that feels like- Productive, but is also going to ma- maintain my attention. Maybe it's a little showbiz oriented, right. you know. And, and and there's no shortage of it, but I forget to listen to music. Oh, see, by the time I'm in the car, people are like, "Why don't you listen to podcasts in the car?" I'm like, "No." By the time I'm in the car, I need emotions. I need I need yeah. emotional release. I can't take in any more information. Just let me have music. Yeah, I mean. Well, Tom Lank was just here, and he blew my mind when he said that the car is his time to be in silence. That's mm. his time to reflect and 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 meditate, essentially, with his eyes open. I'll so do that every no now podcast, and then. No oh, music. wow. Sometimes I'll do that. Uh, the, yeah. Did the, you know, by the way, I got a traffic ticket, and I had to take traffic, uh, you know, school. Online school? Yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you know that while you're driving, you're not supposed to think about anything else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, unenforceable, but Yeah. <laughs> So Tom's I was like, doing it right. I was like, when do you get your big thinking done if you yeah. don't think about it in the car? Yeah. That's the mind. Oh, that's big mind. Yeah. Right? I, I had a moment yesterday, as a matter of fact. We were leaving here, and it was just nothing, bumper-to-bumper traffic going oh, yeah. out into the valley where mm, I live. So much and I was fun. listening to the, uh, the Teacher's Lounge, the Big Grande podcast oh, yeah. with Drew Tarver, et cetera, which is very funny, but it's four very funny guys talking over each other. And Brian Safi was the guest, and he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was chatter-chatter. And the uh, because the car wasn't moving, I was like, oh, I'll check my Twitter feed. So I was scrolling through those words, and then I was like, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown behind the <laughs> wheel. There's so much shit coming at me. And I'm like, I'm not listening to this thing. I'm not paying attention to this thing. The car's not driving. driving. Um, yeah, it was really like, I thought, I thought, I'm, this is, this is my rock bottom of this thing. Like, I need only music or silence or yeah. something. Yeah. I want you off that phone when you're driving. Dave. I know. But I mean, it truly was not moving. Like, this was like Gower getting onto the 101 where it just, you literally don't move. Yeah. Do you have playlists on Spotify? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So if I could, I could go to that and look at your playlist. I sure could. Okay. Absolutely. That's Did what my we all best should of do. for 2018. That's just come out. Okay. Controversial getting it down to 21 songs. Wow. Difficult process, but I did it. All new or just the top? All from this year. All from this year. Yeah. And did you finish? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's up there. It's final. I feel good about it. You do. What's num- What was your number one song? Uh, I don't know what my number one song of the year is, okay. but the first song on it was the last song that I listened to nonstop for a full day. Which was? Which was also from a gospel artist named Scott Mulvihill. Uh, the song is called Begin Againers. And it's just about it's about like turning the page and starting anew oh, and, okay. and all that. And I just I, I really like the message and it's very spare and um so yeah. Oh we were on a similar page there. Yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. All right. How about that? Except I don't know my artist's name. Well that's you know oh, like everybody knows what they know. We'll find it. We'll do the Yeah, we'll work. do it. All right, let's take a break and we'll be back with Beth. 
Should we jump back in? Let's dive back in. There you go. Why did I Doing do some that vocal warm ups. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well, we've we've done our we've done our enunciation exercises. <laughs> Beth's fully warmed up. Yep. And we're we're ready to hit this uh, this ground running. Um, so you, uh, Beth, mentioned a long ago uh, uh, trip to uh, to the to. To, to the theater with your boyfriend and his boyfriend. Oh yes, cabaret. Yeah, let's go that back to that. Been, yeah, <laughs> you've been kind of on the uh, on the sort of pansexual tip for a minute. I guess. I guess so. Um, yeah. Well, that was college, you know, sure. and uh, and we were, yeah, we were an item, but then we were we weren't a thruple in any way. Oh, I see. That was, you know. Were you aware the boyfriend was the boyfriend at the time? was aware and not aware maybe at the same they're still together by the way oh wow and and i wrote that joke that cabaret joke because i for the anniversary show i'd never had said that before and then they sent me roses and they'd never sent me roses before i love how the world works that's beautiful yeah there's and they're an amazing couple um and we were great three some um yeah yeah and recently you uh you wrote uh a piece in which you Revealed that you are bisexual. Oh yes, I wrote this on Facebook. It went people went crazy. Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. it I really did it because I did it because I had a student who was so she was a first. Just it was her first class, and she was so confounded. She just didn't know where she fit in. I didn't know what she was talking about. And then she was rambling, and then suddenly she had a girlfriend, and then but then she came out, but then she had a boyfriend. So then she felt like awkward and. And I said, well, you're just, you're bi. I mean, if you need a thing to call it. I mean, yeah. just, I don't want to be pushy, but hello. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not bisexual. <laughs> I was like, all right. I, I, it's not my place to say where you are, but I think maybe. And, um, and it seemed like she was sort of bouncing back from being fully heterosexual to being gay, to she, that there wasn't a place. And then I feel so... It's so silly to even say, but I feel in the gay community, which I'm a lot in, yeah. especially guys with guy to guys who are uh, gay, but then with a woman, it's like that queen's in the closet. I don't know. It's very like not okay. Yeah. And I feel there's a lot of um, if you're you know, identify as bi, then it's either. You know, well, you're not really being honest. You're actually gay. Right. Or, this, is, this is one stop on yeah. the train to full. Yes. Full gay Why not? That, Why that. won't you just say you're gay? Well, because. And I just feel like there's so much. I mean, I have a friend who did identify as bi and has been really seriously, like, serially monogamous all the way through. And she just said to me, I'm not. I'm I'm really pan. Like, somebody called me on it. And I was like, well, what's the difference? She said, well, my relationship to animals. And it's true. She's like lives in the country, and she's like in not. I'm not, not sleeping with animals. Right, yeah. She rides horses, which is sexual, and she milks goats, which is sensual. And I mean, it's a really oh, a thing, you know, that you have this living relationship to and you know to animals, uh -huh. which you know, a girl with a dog in the city, you know. Um. Yeah, so bye. So I wrote it, and I felt very supported by the Facebook community. And yeah. I also felt like people were relieved to sort of read it or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. we were relieved because we were like, well, now we can have her on yeah. the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, well, she's you're not always, just you're hanging around. But yeah, but. Um, you know, I've loved women. I've had sex with women. 
I will say, sadly, never that has never coincided. I've never had <laughs> never sex with the women that I've loved. Yes. Yeah. Um, and is that because the women that you loved were were straight or unavailable? Yes. Yes and yes. Yes and yes. I don't know what they were. I was. Uh, they were undeclared, uh-huh. and uh, we were inseparable, and it wasn't a wasn't an open for discussion. Yeah. On her part. Um, and I've slept around a little, you know, there was a, yeah, I I don't know what, we don't necessarily not want to talk about, well, I don't know how deep, well, do, we what do you want to get into what, it as far as, as, far as, as you want to go. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I slept with women and sure. It's sexy. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to sleep with women? Gay men, but still. Yeah. Uh, but also some gay men, some gay men do. Might, might. And that, and there's a stigma About, kind of within the community. That, yeah. You know. I think so. Um, I, Never mind. Yeah, I, stories about other people can get a little. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you don't want to reveal too much. But I, okay, I'll vague it up as much. As okay, possible. I uh, was very close with uh, with a gay man um, when I, like just after coming out, who loved going down on women. That was like his yeah. thing, right? And it was like he would he and like females in our in our group would like disappear, and it was like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on there? Not necessarily like women in our circle, but just like yeah, sort yeah. of on the on the outer edges of the circle but who like re- were in on the understanding that he is gay, but but is so available what, to what does is, it is mean? That, I mean, in some ways, it's like I do get it. Like I do, in some ways, feel gay. I know that's weird. Yeah. Like I just I don't identify as straight. I was married to a pretty much a straight guy for uh-huh. a long time. I didn't feel comfortable in the heterosexual community, though. That's what it – I mean, it was a heterosexual relationship, but I never felt like, oh, I really fit in here. Yeah. And what, I don't – What about it? Uh, maybe the breeding. Mm. Maybe the breeding, the imperative to breed. Yeah. Uh, the, the straight couple culture. Uh, yeah, people uh, should look up – by the way, you wrote a beautiful piece for Time oh, about yeah. not wanting to have children. Thank was you. A couple years ago, yeah. it, was, it, was, it articulated a lot of things I was never able. Oh, to thank you. Say. I wrote that piece actually in the middle of my life. This is a little writing thing. My life was really it was about eight years. My life was really kind of falling apart. I'm back. It was a great fall. Was it falling apart or falling together? <laughs> um, and uh, I really wasn't going to write it. Somebody asked me to write it, and I wrote that piece like two line by two. I just every time I had ten minutes, I'd sit down and write it, and I. Just just like to say that for anybody who's a listener who, you know, is struggling to write. You know, we have this idea of what writing is. Look at me turning the sex talk into writing talk. Mm-hmm. See how I did that? <laughs> Workaholic. Back to it. See Don't how you I did worry. that? Um, yeah. So that's a little bit of the straight culture thing is like the imperative to breed. At one point, a lesbian couple we were friends with was going to use – my partners, I could never even say husband and wife. I hated that. Um, anyway, my spouse's sperm, they were going to use to get pregnant with. And I loved that idea. I thought mm. this would be a great way to have kids. We'd have a big, I just like the idea of like a big family, like a very extended, open. Uh, I live on a block now that's very like, like the L block, the L word was like kind of based on this block. 
And there's like ex-spouses that live nearby to each other and the kids. It's very, it's just like a bigger family. Yeah. Um, and I like that idea. What, uh, you've been with Mitch now for how long? Hard to say. Hard, hard to, to say. say. Had a very, uh, you know, and that's, I mean, he's gay identified. and Oh, and, I didn't know that. And so that's also very mysterious to many people because we seem like just best friends and maybe we even, and then the world reflects that back to you and you're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's it. And, um, and yeah, because I was, yeah, it's around eight years or nine years, something like that. But we say we we basically say nine at yeah. this point, so it's about that amount of time. And so, it, obviously, only say what you're comfortable saying. But he was he gay identified, and then being with you was a revelation for him. You'll have to have him have on the ask, show. Have to ask him for sure. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. It's not that it's, and it's also it's kind of challenging. So you know, you'll have him on. Yes. He's a great guest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he'll God, never he come on and talk. But uh, good luck. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's funny to be invisible in a certain way. You know, there. this I really identify also being in this partnership because uh, I feel we're invisible. And I feel the same way gay couples would have been invisible in a different culture. You know, How so? well, you know, all the women who were just best friends who were living together and their whole town just thought they were best friends. Right. And they were like an invisible couple, essentially, right. or gay men who mm-hmm. were just invisible. You just you could pass as something else. Right. And, you know, and especially because, you know, we were, um, you know, I was getting out of a long marriage and we were working together and, you know. Maybe we were just singing and making songs. It's mm-hmm. possible. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, what it taught me was things don't have to happen as fast as we, we live in such a fast world where relationships are happen really. I mean, it's such a – this is – I mean, if you want to talk about the algorithm, you know, talk about dating apps, you know, sure. that's the algorithm, you know, in love. And you're used to being able to just like that. And I don't know. For me, relationships have always been connected to people I'm creative with somehow. I almost can't imagine. Like, I've only been on like two dates in my whole life. Wow. You know, I just have never dated. And I mean, then and only then because I like made myself like, what's this date thing? Um it's like being an artist was your version of dating, creating stuff. That to me is romance. To me, if you want to say what romance is, I mean, in my mind, I have the picture that like you see in movies of like what the romantic life is. But to me, real romance is like making something together and then having made that thing together. That to me is like the most romantic thing you could possibly do. Like Gertrude Stein and Alice Beat Hopeless or, you know, Mm. I I just, and it's confounding because then the work, you know, become, it's tricky in partnerships because, you know, whose work is it? With Mitch, it's great because we make on Cabaret together, but he also has his music and I have my writing. So there's some stuff we do together, but we're not, with Greg, it was hard because it just was a lot more overlap. Um, 
Yeah, so maybe there's a word for that, you know, art sexual or something. Sure. <laughs> maybe that's what I am. <laughs> I mean, there is kind of. There is the but that's of, gay. I mean, that's it is. so gay. It's, it's queer. Yeah, that's queer. Yeah. yeah. There's a notion of sapiosexuality, which is, you know, that you are attracted to the intellect of somebody else. Right. And that right. is, and that, that yeah. informs that's your yeah. sexual attraction. Yeah. Well, it's what it's fascinating to me to hear someone who is it who is in a you know a, a, a for all intents and purposes cisgender hetero couple say that they feel invisible and that they that like it, that, that your dynamic makes more sense on when you compare it to like queer you know models of relationships and because it just feels that way and I mean queer culture is so much. You know, more where each of us individually have felt, you mm-hmm. know, comfortable. And he's spent his whole life there. So. Right. Um, wow. And I live on, you know, the lesbian block of Los Angeles. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I just, I guess I really do identify as an artist before anything. Yeah. Like if when before I'm a woman, before I'm Jewish, before I'm bi or straight or queer or um I just think of myself as an artist and where the art will take you. Yeah. You know, is kind of for me where I my sexuality is in my art. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to choose, I choose my art. I choose right. my work. And for a woman especially, I mean, it's a hard to really say you look at the world, but it still is like a man's world and it still is run by men and it's still the Me Too thing. And it's still – so to navigate Hollywood especially, you know, uh, is still tricky. Mm-hmm. And I find for me, I often – I'll just – you know, I put up the wall because I don't want to operate in that way in the world because it's so confusing. Hmm. So what the, and if you're comfortable talking about it, what are then the terms of your relationship? Oh no, I can't go there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the terms are loving. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, I, I can share some. They're loving. Um, they're, uh, very connected. Um, there's persistent connection. Uh, there's him cooking for me. That's a very that's, important part of term. the terms of our relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> him being able to navigate in a car, very important. <laughs> <laughs> um, me having a lot of words, him having a lot of music. Mm. Um, you know, there are other... You know, and it, and it's it's slowly has been, you know, a more domestic. It wasn't domestic initially. It was, so we're cohabitating or we're moving toward it. We spent, you know, most of our nights together. Yeah. Um, they're still separate places. Yeah. And I don't know. Is it logistics? Is it that? It, sometimes, you know, you look at your life and you think you want something else. And then you say to yourself, maybe I have designed it exactly the way I want it. There's, you know, and I think about that uh, in terms of relationship, and I also think about that in terms of other parts of my life. Oh, I wish that I was acting more. Do you? Do you really wish you were acting more? Because don't you think you might have designed your life differently? I wish I was. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, is it possible that you're, you know, 
confoundation with cisgendered couple situation keeps you wanting it to be a little off balance. That's possible too. Um, so as I often say, less will be revealed, you know, as we, you know, as we explore. But I encourage people to, what it taught me was we're a lot of times not seeing, what it taught me is when I look at people, I had a lot of prejudice and, you know, prejudgment about who's in relationship with who and who loves who. Because I felt invisible. I was like, I think I'm missing a lot of who's loving who. Like, I think I might not see a lot of, I think people are in love with people that are around them a lot. I think that uh, a lot of people hide their love because it doesn't feel safe. And I think we think we live in a very open culture. I think parents are more passionate about their children than they let on that that's the passionate love of their life that they maybe have to act annoyed about Mm -hmm. um i think that sometimes best friends are in love and don't really show you know can't really so that's one where one thing that i'm you know looking at a lot it's interesting that that <clears throat> looking at those things uh, makes you aware of how unlabelable most love is. Yeah. So it's interesting for you then to like make a declaration, and be like, "This is what my sexuality is." It seems like a lot of your your life is in opposition to that. Does that make of, sense? Of saying what my yes, yeah. I, I mean, it's like I mean, I just did it because I. I almost had a compassion for this student uh-huh. and just because I was like, well, if I had a label, that's what it would be. Right. I'm not for labels, Yeah. but uh, I think partly because you're just, you guys even are saying, oh, well, we thought you were straight. Well, I'm not, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And I, at a certain point, I mean, I operate within a community that is, you know, the queer community. And for me to stand up in that community is, do I need to say something? I guess I kind of felt like maybe I did uh-huh. I w- or I wouldn't have done it for this student. I just, it seems so besides the point to me and so... But it's just some also felt imp- – I, I literally wrote it like waiting for a hand doctor to see my hand. I was just, uh-huh. was just like – I didn't like – it just happened to pop in my head that this might be helpful for people. Yeah. And I, I didn't sweat over it. I didn't like debate about it. It was literally just in my head. And that I think – almost that approach is what I'm saying also about sexuality is like it was the natural course of action and um, – yeah. And so I did it, and I didn't fret about it. And I'm glad I did because people seem it seemed like it helped some people, and some people were just happy to. It seemed freeing. I guess yeah. I'm on the side of freedom. <laughs> that is clear. I that mean, is quite clear. <laughs> and it seemed liberating somehow, yeah. Yeah, rather yeah. than labeling. Even though it was a label, it also seemed liberating. Yeah, and I think like it the. The like bias, the, the prejudices against against bisexuality and the stigmas around it are are old and we're and are sort of fading away. Thankfully, as we all sort of like, you know, become more aware that that's you know an important part of the community. But talk about being invisible. I think that like the the people who identify as bi have felt invisible. Well, because I mean, here's the thing: a chameleon is invisible. You know. It's like, well, what color is it? It's, it's, here's, okay, this is probably the most important point is that we have a bias against change. 
We have a mm. bias against change. That's what it is. We don't like, you know, I sing that song at the beginning of every show. Mitch and I wrote yeah. this song at the very beginning of meeting each other. We wrote this song about change. Change we change to be happy, but change makes us so unhappy. And we sing it over and over and over again. And I think it's the, the thing about bisexuality that people are so uncomfortable with is it's, you keep changing. You're, you're changing. Right. You're changing. You're changing. You're changing. You're choosing to keep changing. And I don't think people like that. Yeah. It makes people uncomfortable, that part of it. Both people who are bi and people who are observing bi. It's not great, you know? Yeah. That's part of it. But here we are in a world also with uh, the millennials who are so comfortable with just the, you know, everything's on the spectrum. And I, that I do love. I mean, as many annoying things as we might say, millennials, we love you. That's right. Um, <laughs> And some of my best friends are millennials, but uh, it's still it's a it's a different generation, and that part of it I think is a gift to the whole world. Yeah. The uh, comfort with every spectrum, whether it's autism, whether learning things, sexuality, gender, everything is on a spectrum, and the spectrum is not stable. It's an, an instability, and I think I've been thinking about nostalgia because of going back to on cabaret in 25 years. And I've been thinking that the thing about nostalgia that I find distasteful is that it's a longing for the known. It's not about mm. the past. Nostalgia is a longing for the known. And um, there's a way of loving the past and being interested in your history that is not nostalgic and nostalgic is, is overly solidified. And what we have to do is look at the past and the future as a spectrum that the now is part of. And that's just not that easy. That's and that's really why bisexuality is so important people. Yeah. It's a little lecture. And so you've, you've had <laughs> to like embrace the nostalgia because people love uncab so much and are excited to celebrate 25 years, yeah, yeah, 30 yeah. years, whatever it yeah. actually is. But for you, that's only, you know, that's only part of the story. And it, yeah. And it felt it was super forward. sad. There was part of getting ready for the show that I was like sobbing and crying. Mm. And I was like, is this the biggest funeral ever? I mean, this is so horrible. And then I, you know, I let go of that. And, um, and, you know, history has to I, – I tend to be more futuristic than historical. Um, you know, and it's – that's another thing about relationships. I mean, you tend to balance each other out. I mean, Mitch loves history, and it's so, you know – and my – and Greg also loved history. You know, it's great to be with somebody who has opposite strengths. I tend to just want to forget it. And it made me go back and really look. I wrote this piece, the cover story for the weekly, and I really had to go back and look at the story of it. Mm. And I remembered a lot of stuff that I had forgotten. So I don't know. Um, and it started there in the lesbian space. I mean, if you want to bring it back yeah. to, mm -hmm. you know, history, it's like, that's been my community. I mean, yeah. that's just has been my community. And, um, 
you know, like on Cabaret, the queer community is like, if you want to be part of us, you are. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't have to show us, like, you, you don't have to show us your dance card. Are you in? Sure. I mean, people are like, oh, it's such an in thing on Cabaret. All you have to do is show up. Yeah, I that's mean, right. you know, it's you don't have to pass a test. We don't look at your cred. Your outfit is no not important. All you have to do to get in is be there. Yeah. And that is true of uh, every liberation movement, really. And and you can continue to be there. The show is coming back ah, in a new space. Come on, yes, uh, at Rockwell, Rockwell, which is on Vermont or Hillhurst, Vermont, Vermont, near Hollywood in uh, in Los Feliz, which is the a happies. great spot. The Happies, the Happies, January thirteenth. It will be my birthday show. Yes. Every Capricorn should come, as happy, well as happy every birthday. So happy happy birthday to there. you. Uh, that's um, just a few days from now. It's, that's, right. that's correct, yeah. We say so, in our January friends. voice, that's just a few days <laughs> from, from now. now. Um, it is, if you are in the Los Angeles area, it is. Uh, it never disappoints. It's always a uh, a funny and fascinating and emotional show. It's great. And, and you're going to join us soon. We're going to be there I the second so. Sunday of every month. Great. And um, you'll be on. I hope so. Maybe, perhaps March. Whatever. I think we're looking at March. Whatever. All right. Listen, I'm at your, I'm at your guys, service. Let's go well, see so Dave. maybe you'll be no. there in the audience on the. Uh, yeah, I would love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you guys will be in town. There. We'll be there. Yeah. Beth Lapidus, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Please. Am I saying right? Homophilia? Yes. You're yeah. saying you did I hope it. I shared enough, but not too much. Did I share the perfect amount? I mean, only you the can judge. The perfect amount. Uh oh. And uh, too much. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, so thank you, Beth. Thank you, thank Earwolf. You yes. Thank you, uh, thank you Sam, Sam, the engineer. Thank you, Matt. Sam. Thank the you, bisexual Dana. engineer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. Yes. Thank, thank you, you Matt. Faye, for choking us out with your- for a smell that is like someone opened a Carl's Jr. inside a bus. Truly. <laughs> um, yeah, Faye, thank you. Uh, listener, thank you. Happy New Year. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. Ah! Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.